Welcome to Espresso Prime, a podcast all about primes, short enough to listen to while you enjoy your cup of coffee. Hello, hello. It's a wine and true crime bonus episode of Espresso Crime. Today's show supporter highlight is Total Wine and their most wonderful wine advent calendar for this holiday season. And the cherry on top for all you introverts like me is a ship right to your door. The link to the wine calendar is in the episode description and highlighted on my Instagram story at Jamie underscore Hitch. It's in for Total Wine in the U.S. There's in store and all of that too. But you can also get it delivered right to your door, which I just love. Like mail day, yes. Mail day with wine, double yes. So while we do absolutely love our show supporter and wine, this episode is my opinion only and it will probably get a little bit opinionated. So when I first saw that a doc on Casey Anthony was being done, I had to do a watch and review of it. I really wanted to do it as soon as it came out, but the logistics didn't work. So better late than never, right? It's here now. Maybe you've gotten the chance to watch it. If not, it is on Peacock. It's three episodes total, and each episode is just over an hour long. As this will be a watch and review, it will be filled with spoilers. So just a warning before you keep listening. I will say, and I'm not just trying to get you guys to like continue to listen, I don't think it's it's worth watching. I'm going to cover it all here. I'm going to give you a list of so many contradictions she made. I'm going to honestly try to stay neutral, which this doc was not neutral at all. But I don't think we learned anything so huge that it's really worth watching like over three hours of it. I know like on my Peacock, I have to watch the commercials. I know there's like an upgraded one, so that would be better. But a huge thing for me is I couldn't speed it up to say like 1.5 or just so like it would go a bit quicker because it was very, very slow. And I will say while I was watching, I was briefly annoyed to even be giving it views since, as I said, it was so heavily pro Casey and just not being able to speed it up would It just like, if I could have just sped it up a little bit, it wouldn't have been so bad. But I will say, like, I was like, come on. But with that said, you know, obviously I'm talking about it. So it was good enough. I just thought it could have been so much better. But there were some really interesting bits. And it's been so long that, like, it was, you know, of course I'm going to watch it. So to start, this is the first interview Casey has ever done since the disappearance and death of her toddler, Kaylee Anthony, in 2008 that took place in Florida. Um, And this interview was done in a rental home as she takes her and her roommate's privacy very, very seriously. Not a not a red flag or anything at all, just like to note. Um, But watching her like she set up her room, she's got like art and photos and all of this bedding etc and it looked like her setting up her dorm like I don't know why but it it kind of just made me laugh it was such a a weird thing to like this is the first time we've seen her doing any interviews let's just like see her style her room so a little about this case um in case you missed it or you just need refreshing I know I did like I was like oh right like when this first happened I was glued to the tv and I I have forgotten a few things, I will say, like, but it was such a big case. Um, So it is kind of cool that they have, you know, she's come out and talked about it now. But I just think, I think if it was more neutral, it would have been really, really good. But of course, I don't think she would do one that was completely neutral. I'll just, shots fired from the start. So 
Kaylee was reported missing, you know, July 15th, 2008. And something to note here is that Kaylee was missing for 31 days before being reported as missing. I think that's absolutely huge and something we will keep coming back to like 31 days, an entire month. So when asked why she was doing this interview without any control of it, she goes, this is to honor my daughter. I really don't think though that she has any like worry about control because it is so pro Casey and it's not neutral. So I I don't think that was even worth like we don't need to hear that right but um if she thinks this honors her daughter great like that's that's up to her right um I don't I don't know really what the reason would be for her to finally speak out all these years um but let's just get into it so following the trial she was acquitted her legal team gave her money to start fresh and she lived with one of the members of that team and now actually worked for the legal team mostly doing criminal defense work So during the time of investigation, Casey told detectives that Kaylee had been kidnapped by a nanny on June 9th and she was trying to find her and was too frightened to go to the police. Additionally, her lifestyle photos and social schedule was heavily increased during the time her daughter was missing during those 31 days. She also got a tattoo that said the good life and I just think that's such odd behavior for someone with a missing child. She also stole the checkbook of her friend and she was seen 26 days after the disappearance buying things with said checks looking like she didn't have a care in the world and certainly not looking like a mother who was missing her child at that time. So her friends did say that she was a good mom but when her toddler was missing she was not searching or anything and the 31 days the toddler was missing without anyone going to the police is such a huge thing in this case. Now, fast forward to this interview where she admits to lying, which will become a very reoccurring thing. First, she lied about working at Universal Studios, and when police went there with her, she doubled down with her lie, acting like she worked there, waving to, you know, her co-workers, etc. Further, the apartment where she said the nanny slash babysitter lived was vacant. I just find it so very strange. Why is she taking 31 days to report her child missing and then why is she lying about things so trivial as that but like that would really help in the investigation also like this is so strange to me but what happens next I do want to kind of say as a warning this is all coming from Casey okay so no one that she's saying things about has been like proven and If it's true, it's absolutely tragic, but I do think it's important to note, like, this is all coming from her. So if she, you know, what she's saying is true, absolutely horrible. But if it's not, like, I do think it's just important to, like, flag that. So she goes on to say there's nothing to make up for her behavior, but it was what she was conditioned to do. And she lied a lot as telling the truth wasn't allowed in her family. She says her family looked like the perfect American middle-class family. Her mother was a nurse. Her father was a police officer. When they moved to Florida, her dad worked in security and her mother was the breadwinner working 14 to 16 hour days, but they would never want people to think that. And this is kind of where I wanted to flag that coming in. She says her father sexually abused her until she was 12 and from 12 to 15, her brother was coming into her room and doing similar but not as bad as her father. During those 31 days, Casey did exactly what her dad showed her to do. Protect herself from others, steal, lie, and manipulate in order to appear normal. She does say now that was the worst thing she could have done. 
When asked about her pregnancy with Kaylee, Casey said her mother told people outright that she wasn't pregnant and Casey kind of would do the same as she's just following her mom's footprints there or footsteps there. Uh, she says she was drugged and raped at a party when she was 18. She didn't tell anyone and lied about who the father was as well. So episode one of the doc ends with the interviewing asking her why would she lie? She said she was doing what she was told to do by her father. So episode two. In the final hours before Kaylee's disappearance, Casey put her daughter to bed. The next morning, she got up with Kaylee, but she was still pretty tired and groggy. So Casey went back to sleep. Kaylee was beside her and the TV was on. It's worth noting that she previously mentions in the doc that she's an incredibly light sleeper given what happened to her in her past and she wakes to almost nothing. She's always on edge even when sleeping. Her dad woke her up, shaking her. Where is she? Casey immediately starts looking around. She's not in the house, not in the backyard. Nothing makes sense as to where she would be or why she's gone. As Casey says, Kaylee knew she couldn't be in the house on her own. She never left Casey's side. The interviewer asks, did you look in the pool? Casey says I, she didn't have to. By the time she got back from the other side of the porch when she was looking for her, she looks up and sees him standing there holding, holding Kaylee soaking wet. Her father yelling at her, this is all your fault. He softens his tone. He tells her everything is going to be okay. He took Kaylee back inside, but she doesn't know where she went. I'm sorry, but how, like, you knew what happened and you did not call 911 for 31 days, like her or her father. Like, this is so ridiculous. This isn't like the child has just vanished. She sees her soaking wet. Also though, why is she just like, if her father obviously is not dad of the year by what she's saying, why is she just letting him take, take Kaylee away? That doesn't make any sense to me. But anyways, so the interview takes her back to jail to go over like those types of emotions and everything where she spent three years in jail, waiting in jail on a crime she says she didn't commit. There, she met a girl named Robin, and this was on an unrelated case. They wrote back and forth, and while isolated in jail, she began remembering what her father did to her and that her father smothered her with a pillow numerous times if she ever objected. So going back to those 31 days when Kaylee was missing, friends that she met up with during the time her daughter was missing said she was totally normal. She again says this because she was following her father's advice all the partying that, you know, there are so many photos of her at a party. She says she was actually working and helping her friends promote. And during that time, she talked to her dad daily, constantly asking about Kaylee and when they will see her again. Her dad would say, just keep doing what I said. You'll be reunited soon, but would never say where she was. She was charged with first degree murder in October 2008 and pled not guilty. On December 11, 2008, police found skeletal remains 15 houses away from the Anthony home, and this was proven to be Kaylee. So the remains were found in two black garbage bags, a laundry bag, and a Winnie the Pooh blanket that matched the bedding at the home with duct tape that was a very specific brand that was also found throughout the home. With this tragic discovery, Casey was now facing the death penalty, though if Casey was to accept guilt and responsibility, they would take the death penalty off the table. Casey said, absolutely not. 
So a bit about the criminal defense team, as mentioned, she does work for them now and is very close to them. They're like the closest thing to her now um, as she's not close with her family. So at the time of the case, the team spent over 2,000 hours on it and a million dollars. And it was just an extremely long case. They received death threats. Like it was a case unlike anything else. The team noted that Casey's parents made a foundation. They raised like $27,000. They bought a boat with 1-800 missing find missing children and they were going to use it to find missing kids on the water one of the people working on the defense team he thought the parents were really messed up and now onto the trial which i think as far as criminal defense lawyers go she had a phenomenal team so first chloroform was found the defense said there was no chloroform found when they tested though then the duct tape that was found wrapped around the toddler's head they said there was no evidence that kaylee died from duct tape and then there were 15 hairs found in the trunk of Casey's car. The FBI found this to be hair from a decomposed body and the DNA is from the mother's side. The defense said there's hair banding from people who are alive as well. And then there is a report that uh, Casey's mom called 911 reporting the car smelled like a body was in it. Forensics looked into it and the cadaver dog alerted the handler that a body was in it. The defense said the dog only alerted the handler once, not a second time. The defense said it was all unreliable science. The defense also brought in a, a grief doctor and said that Casey was grieving. It just wasn't in a way we normally saw. Defense attorney also told the jury about Casey's past with sexual abuse in her family. He did not tell Casey this prior as he wanted real and raw emotion. This was an absolute bomb to drop and I think an absolute key in this in this trial. The criminal defense also found out that Casey's father was having an affair with a woman named Crystal. Crystal. She told the defense this was an accident that spiraled out of control according to Casey's father. So the defense believed it was an accidental drowning. They used a photograph of Kaylee opening the door up. So they used that to show that she could have easily opened up the door and then drowned. Casey now says the ladder wasn't in the pool, so it wasn't a plausible scenario, but she can't piece together why Kaylee was met wet. She won't outright accuse her father of murder, but it wasn't an accident, she says. So episode three and the last part of the doc. So the jury had made a decision in the trial, first degree murder, not guilty, aggravated child abuse, not guilty. So now in the doc, Casey is watching past interviews. And in one, the dad says he thinks Casey is responsible. Casey says, why do they even do interviews? And that he's just throwing her under the bus for money. She also says, why didn't he call 911? And why is he blaming me for something I didn't do? But they could have both called 911. Like, and just the way, and I know she's obviously been through a lot, but just the way, like, her behavior is still just really, really odd. Her father testified on the grand jury and was the only non-law enforcement chosen to testify. That was a closed testimony, so no one will ever know what was actually involved in that. Further, Casey said her father would go to the police after speaking to her, but on TV would support her and that he was cleared by police quite early. And the timeline of Kaylee being with Casey last was given by George, according to Casey. Note that Casey does say herself that she went to sleep with Kaylee beside her. She also, when asked if she had her bedroom door locked at the time, said that she must have forgotten. I'm absolutely not victim shaming, but if she says what has happened with her brother and father, if that's true, you would think she'd be 
one, locking her door at all times and make, and not even being there, right? Like she would find the means to not have to be under that roof with them, especially with her little girl. So I just, you know, we'll go over all the contradictions, but that just kind of sticks out. Another thing we learn is Casey's brother, Lee, he's the one who has also had abused her, according to her. So he was told that Casey would go to prison if he didn't share this. So the brother went into detail on how their childhood pets were buried. And he said that they would be put in a blanket, then a garbage bag, and then duct tape around it. A few other details at the investigation was that the father, George, said Casey left the home, but the cell phone location says she was at the home or nearby. Further, the computer search history searched foolproof suffocation. It was searched from Casey's profile, but according to Casey, she says they all have each other's passwords as it was shared family computer. She believed that George, her father, could have done the Google search, which happened at 2.51 p.m. and made it to work at 3 p.m., though they lived 10 minutes from his work. Now onto the car smelling like a dead body. According to Casey, she ran out of gas while driving and at the time she had two to three bags of garbage in the car. Because she ran out of gas, she was flustered and forgot about the garbage. She called her dad. He said, don't worry, he would deal with it. Just park it where I can find it. And two guys helped her push it off the road and then that was it. Fast forward to after the trial ended in an interview after a severe car accident, her dad says, I need my family and friends to forgive me for what I've done. Casey immediately wants to know what he means by that. And, you know, to her, it's like admitting to the murder. But could that just be that he's the actual killer, like she's thinking, or simply just for testifying against her? As a big question for a lot was, why would you be testifying for your daughter to potentially be, you know, executed, right? Or you know, that kind of thing. So it definitely like, I don't think it's as surefire as him saying like, I've done it without saying it. Um, So Casey was in jail during the funeral. So she's, you know, rewatching that and she gets very overwhelmed watching it and is kind of really trying to pick out like every critique she could find on, of course, why her parents are at fault for that as well. She says his speech at the funeral that mentions things about Kaylee tells the world that he's a pedophile he says some different things I don't know if it says like I'm a pedophile though by any means as far as working during the time and prior she said she worked numerous hours and changed jobs her plan was to move out but didn't want to tell anyone so she was very secretive about it I could see like wanting to make an exit plan and especially with um you know having living under the same father or sorry a living under the same roof as her abuser, why she would want to leave and maybe keep that a bit more secretive. But I don't think it justifies her lying to the police either. Um, So we also learned that the nanny, that was never actually a thing. She would just bring Kaylee with her and Kaylee was either with her mom or her. She was There was never a nanny or anyone else that was trusted. According to a friend at the time, Casey would say Zanny the nanny, which some feel points to Casey giving Kaylee Xanax to put her to sleep. Casey wonders if her father drowned Kaylee so the body wouldn't be examined if he was in fact abusing her. And then she also wonders, did 
did he take her away to abuse her further? From the criminal defense private investigator, the accident could be from Kaylee saying no when being abused and George, the father, setting off in a similar but much worse way that he used to do to Casey. Um, this just had so many contradictions throughout the doc. First, she says that she was uncovering her dad's abuse in prison by first remembering her brother's abuse to her. She slowly was remembering because she kept boxes in her head. However, she said later she was afraid to leave Kaylee with her father when she lived with her parents because she had been abused. So it's kind of like, which one is it? And then she says she's a light sleeper, but she didn't hear her dad come into the room. In fact, he shook her to wake her up. She says she would never leave Kaylee alone because of her dad, but she also had her daughter alone with him for those 31 days. And then anytime her mom wanted to talk to Kaylee during those 31 days, she made up an excuse as to why Kaylee couldn't talk to her. It was impossible Kaylee drowned, yet she was soaking wet. Also, something that stuck out was her being so adamant a drowning didn't happen. Is she adamant because she knows what actually happened? She says she had the bed against the wall so Kaylee can't get out and, of course, is a light sleeper, but again was woken up asking where Kaylee was. If she can't get out of bed unless she were to crawl over her, like, I have a few questions on these, right? She started the documentary with, I believe Kaylee was okay until the moment I found out they found her body while she was in jail, yet she held her soaking wet, lifeless body. This case is very messy and there are a lot of gray areas and I think even after this doc, we still don't know what happened at all. Potentially everyone in the Anthony home was guilty. Waiting 31 days to call 911 was never okay. The many contradictions from Casey don't paint her in the best light in my opinion and the fact she says, unless she's once again lying, that she held her lifeless daughter, it's ridiculous she didn't call 911 right then and there. Like, it's just awful, honestly. In any case, that wraps up today's True Crime and Wine bonus episode. I'll see you for the Sunday Scaries with the remaining two states. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.